Lord, I can't do anything. Only you can do something here. Lord, I cling to your promises for you to deliver, for you to help. Lord, you are sovereign and able to do the impossible. Lord, I, I don't know what to do, but I trust you. These are the prayers we need to pray as a church, folks. It is a foundation for blessing amongst us as a people. And the task facing us as, a, as individuals and, and as a church in this community, as we look around us here, you see the cars go by and say, how can we possibly do anything in this community? What strength do we have? This little club of people that are here, that God's raised up in the middle of Richmond, does. what can God do here? Well, folks, they're the sort of things where we need to start at. That's exactly right. That's what we need to say. We cannot do anything of ourselves. We're going to continue in our service tonight. We're going to hear from God's Word uh, right now. I think that's the idea. Uh, so would you give a huge welcome to Pastor Jody? She comes up to bring God's Word now. That'd be great. thank you and we marvel at the work of your hands. We marvel at how great you are. There is so much joy as we meet together in your presence tonight, God, and we're so full of thanks. And as we come to your Word now, God, we just ask that you'd speak to us again. Open our hearts, Lord, to know you and hear from you and be moved by your Holy Spirit right now. We praise you and bless you. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen, what a joy it is. I tell you what, I have been, this is my third service today and I've cried in every single one of them. I thought I'd get better as the day went on, I didn't. It is so moving to see those faces, lives that have been touched by the power of the gospel and I have faith to believe that there are many more faces to fill that screen, to fill these chairs, to fill this auditorium, to fill the online television viewing for the glory of God. How awesome. Well, it is a psalm of joy and praise that God put on my heart to share with you tonight as part of our 28 years of anniversary celebrations, and, and I actually wanted us to read it together out loud, if we can. Um, it is a psalm of praise and thanksgiving, and it starts with this line that says, shout for joy. So let me tell you, church, it is not a psalm that we read like this, shout for joy. It is a psalm that we read with a shout for joy. Can you do that tonight? At home as well, over in A2, as well, let's read it together. Psalm 100, verse one. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues 
through all generations. A beautiful psalm. Darren Whitehead is an Australian who's been pastoring in the US for a number of years now. And he tells a story in his book, The Holy Roar, of being invited to church by a friend and having his eyes open to a whole new worship experience. He grew up in church, actually in a little rural church in South Australia, and all of his life, his worship experience was sort of contained to being on the inside. And his friend invited him to this church and worship there looked a little bit different. It was a whole new experience for him. It started with the music. The music was different. Then there was people bouncing around in front of them with the music. There was other people waving their arms around in the air. Someone else looked like they were wincing in pain as they were singing praises. This collection of enthusiasm was just not what he was used to. And as he turned to his mate who invited him to church that night, he said, I am very uncomfortable with this whole scene, but I'll see you back here next week. The call to exuberant worship in the psalm here might not feel very comfortable for you. There are definitely psalms that call us to be quiet and still before God. But this is not one of those psalms. This is a call for worship and praise that is loud and full of joyful enthusiasm and exuberance. If you have ever been in church and looked around and saw someone you thought was getting a little bit too carried away, maybe you thought that today. Well, let me tell you, this psalm gives us total permission to do this. This is an expression of delight and joy in God and who He is. And sometimes that just can't be contained. It's not meant to be contained. We can't help but get excited and even a little bit carried away. After 18 weeks of watching worship online during our lockdown season, I forgot how much I missed worshiping together. It was just not the same at home. In fact, our very first Sunday back, I was so excited to be back singing and worshiping that I lost my voice for five days afterwards. I was worshiping so enthusiastically. We are blessed to be able to have online church and we are blessed for you to be able to join us tonight. But don't delay coming to meet with us. If you haven't tried it yet, don't wait too long before you do. If you've wondered why people get excited about praising God, you're in good company. C.S. Lewis, the well-known author from last century, wrote a reflection on the Psalms, and in it he said, the most obvious fact about praise had strangely escaped me. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. This is what he said. This is just actually how we're made. You know that if your football team 
scores a beautiful goal or try, depending on your code of football, you erupt in praise, in the excitement of the moment. If you have been out exploring the world and you come across a beautiful mountain or a beautiful beach or a beautiful sunset, you wanna share it, don't you? You wanna put it out there and tell everyone how amazing and beautiful this is. If you have enjoyed a great meal, it is not complete until you have praised the person who made it. C.S. Lewis says that we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but it completes the enjoyment. Did you hear that, church? Our praise completes enjoyment. There is something that actually feels incomplete in us if we can't express joy in what is worthy of our praise. And this psalm gives expression to our joy and it says to do it enthusiastically. This expression, shout for joy, actually comes from a Hebrew word which means sound the trumpet. It literally means to split the ears with sound. If you have teenagers and you are always telling them to turn down the music, Well, this psalm is God telling you to turn up the volume, pump it up, pump up the worship church. We are not turning it down tonight. This is the same word that is used for a victory cry, an exultant shout of triumph over the enemy. I'm sure if it was written This definition in 21st century, there would be fish pumping attached to this word of praise. And I love this picture of victory, this picture of triumph in our praise. And as we've just come through this series of the invisible war, as we gather in prayer this Wednesday night, this is exactly what we'll be doing declaring the victory and praise that Jesus has won for us, church. The victory that we live in. And this exuberance is not just an outward show. It's coming from the deepest part of us, right from our heart. This joy comes from a heart of love and devotion And flowing out of that is gladness in serving our great God. Think about someone you know who is in love. Maybe it's the person sitting next to you. We've had a few engagements in our family, the extended family this year. Um, And I have been quite amazed and impressed, actually, at the amount of planning and detail that has gone on into these proposals for marriage. Deep love and affection is expressed in extravagant action. It's the same in our worship of God. We are not just feeling praise on the inside. It has to come out. Our emotions, our affections, our heart is expressed in acts of serving God. And in this way, our worship is serving and our serving is worship. 
We can't really separate the two. The psalm goes on to describe that this joyful worship and praise ushers us into the presence of God himself. He inhabits the praise of his people. As we sing and praise, God's very presence meets with us. How incredible is this? How many of you have experienced this? How many of you know what it is to walk into a church service feeling weighed down and heavy and to leave knowing something in your spirit has shifted? That's the presence of God. How many of you walked into a church service and you knew there was something different there? You knew there was something different in here, but you haven't had words to describe it. It's God's spirit. It's his very presence here in the praise and worship of his people. As we come into God's presence with joy, we have every reason to respond in praise. Maybe you thought people were just faking the whole joy thing. This is not faking. This is not just drumming up some kind of positivity that we put on when we come into church. It's not. We are filled with joy because God himself has been made known to us. Verse three sums up our reason to praise with joy. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people the sheep of his pasture. This exact phrase, the Lord, he is God, is used in another passage of scripture in 1 Kings 18. It's a pretty famous Bible story, actually. It's about the prophet Elijah who was following God at a time that it went so so totally against the culture to do so. Actually, the king of Israel called him the troublemaker of Israel. How's that for a title? Because he followed God. He was not popular being a follower of God because everyone else was following other gods. Elijah called all the people to Mount Carmel, including the king and prophets who were worshipping and serving the God of Baal. And he said this to the people, how much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. And the people were completely silent. Not a person present was prepared to stand up as a follower of God with Elijah. God commanded Elijah to set up this incredible challenge. Both sides built an altar to their God. And Elijah said, well, you call out to your God and I'll call out to my God. And the one who sets fire to this altar will evidently be the true God. And Elijah told the prophets of Baal they could go first. Maybe you know the story. There's a whole lot of hoo-ha from these prophets. From morning until noontime until right into the evening, they were doing all of this stuff to make their God act and hear and move. But there was no sound, 
No reply, no response, and definitely no sign of fire. Then Elijah called the people over to him. He dug a trench around his altar, got all this water and poured it all over the altar. And then he prayed to the Lord his God. And immediately, fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the whole altar. Even the water that was in the trench was all gone. And in verse 39, when all the people saw it, they fell down on the ground and cried out, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. This is the same truth that is declared in our psalm tonight. Know that the Lord, he is God. This is our reason to praise and worship. For the people of Israel, in that moment, they received a revelation of truth and they could not deny it or be silent about it any longer. They were witnesses to the truth that the Lord is God. There are so many aspects and layers to knowing God. The knowing is more than just knowing about Him. Knowing God is knowing that He is worthy and above everything else in our lives. Just like the gods and idols of Israel, so many things try to compete with the one true God for our worship. Knowing God is allowing him to take his rightful place in our lives. It's realigning and sometimes letting go of the things that are a distraction to our attention and affection. Hannah is being baptised tonight at the end of our service and shares something of this struggle in her journey. Knowing God is not just a reference to a truth. It's an experience of truth that grounds us in who God is. These people of Israel had heard about God, but their declaration at the end of what they saw, at the end of what they'd witnessed on this mountain took their knowing to a whole different level. They couldn't sit in undecided silence now. They'd come to see the hand of God in a way that they could not deny. Their knowing meant they had to acknowledge Him, to declare Him as God. They'd had an experience of who He was right in front of them. Over 28 years, we have seen God do incredible things among us in this place. We are not just stating here that we believe that there's a God. We are people in this place who bear witness to the reality of who God is because we have seen him. We have seen him lead and speak and move amongst us. One of the things that excites me and fills me with faith in God is that I have seen and experienced him over my 26 years in this place. I've seen what he's done for me. I've seen what he's done in the lives of others. We share these stories to build faith and share joy as we journey in God together.
as he reveals himself. We experience his presence and he draws us into his love. Part of knowing God is knowing that we are his as we encounter his love for us. After God displays this incredible act of power to Elijah on Mount Carmel, just the very next chapter, Elijah is desperate for God to show up again. And this time God reveals himself as a gentle whisper. Part of knowing God is knowing him in this intimate, personal way that is actually hard to put into words. It's an experience of his love that transforms us. Danielle Strickland is one of my modern day faith heroes. She lives in Canada. She's a major in the Salvation Army, loving and ministering and rescuing people living on the streets. And only this week in a podcast, I heard her share her own story of how she came to know this one called Jesus. I'd love to share it with you now. Danielle says, I was lost. I was a juvenile delinquent. I was estranged from my family. I was addicted to drugs. I was in a jail cell. I was arrested for the umpteenth time and looking at some really serious problems. I was dead, not only to the world on the outside, but I was dead in my own life, numb, not only from drugs, but from pain. I remember being in this holding cell in the basement of the Toronto City Hall, waiting for a remand appointment, and I saw this Salvation Army lady named Joyce, quite a high-ranking official, coming to visit me on her lunch break. I remember seeing her coming and thinking, oh, brother, I've had dealings with the Salvation Army before. And I thought, man, here comes the lecture. Like I should know better. What am I doing with my life? Like religious people are just so irritating. And I was pretty convinced at this point that God was not my friend. I was an enemy of God. And that actually, if he was not fully angry at me and for good reason, he was at least disappointed in me, which is almost worse. Joyce came into my cell wearing her super suit, the Salvation Army uniform, and she entered into the cell and I braced myself, hardened myself if I could get any harder. And she just came in and she wrapped her arms around me and she whispered in my ear, I love you. And then she handed me a lawyer's card and left. I didn't hug her back. As a matter of fact, when she was leaving the cell, I shouted out after her, you didn't even bring me a smoke. The door slammed shut behind her and I was alone in this cell. And that is when Jesus showed up in the exact same way. I can't even really describe it sufficiently. I wish I could. But Jesus showed up in my cell and did the exact same thing that Joyce had done. He wrapped his arms around me and he whispered in my ear, I love you. And the love of Jesus, the presence of love, the absence of judgment, the presence of mercy and grace and kindness in a place where nobody else was or nobody else could see, 
Here was Jesus unlocking me on the inside and waking me up to new life in him. What an incredible encounter of God's love. When this psalm says he made us and we are his, it describes not only God as our creator, but God as our saviour and redeemer. God who knows everything about us, doesn't turn away from us, but reaches out to us. He meets with us and wraps his arms around us and he says, you are precious. He says, you are mine. He says, what seems impossible to you right now is not impossible for me. I love you. Hear those words and know the heart of God for you tonight. He made us and we are his. The cry of our human heart is to know who we are. It's our search for identity, where we fit in this world, where we belong. And in this beautiful statement, that cry of our heart is answered. God made you. He didn't make a mistake. He was intentional and purposeful when he created you. And he wants you to find yourself in him. Every part of who you are is welcome in him. The world will barrage you with messages that say you're not good enough, that you don't fit anywhere, that you have to try harder, that you're not worthy. But God says, I made you and you are mine. The shepherd imagery that follows here is that we are completely dependent on him. We are not self-sufficient. We don't even have to pretend that we are. We can let go of worry, let go of anxiety and the things that weigh us down because he is on the job. He's got this. He protects us. He provides for us. He cares for us. He carries us. He will take care of every detail of your life if you just hand it over to him. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for us. There is not a single person here or listening online that Jesus wouldn't leave the 99 for and go after to rescue you and carry you home to him. Many of you here could tell me what the gospel is all about. But have you had an experience of meeting Jesus at the cross? Do you know his incredible love for you that took him there? Do you know that he's not scared of your brokenness and mess? It's no barrier to the life and hope that he has for you. God is for you. And worship moves us into the presence of the one who is for us. It opens our heart to know him and encounter his love. Knowing God is every reason to be filled with joy. But as we come to verse four of this Psalm, 
There is another aspect of our praise that we're meant to see and understand tonight. It's this grateful thanks that is part of our praise and worship in knowing God. This word for thanks in the original language involves extending our hands in trust and declaring in faith who it is we worship even when it's not easy. We are called to thank and praise our God. Knowing God does not make us immune to the uncertainty and troubles in life, but He wants us to keep knowing that He's God right in the midst of them, to keep praising and worshipping Him, even when we don't understand, even when we can't see what He's doing. Praising Him and thanking Him is exercising faith and trust in Him that breakthroughs will come, that victory is His that promises are yet to unfold. As we meet together in prayer this week, this is exactly what we'll be declaring as his people. His heart is for this city and we will praise and thank him for what he is yet to do. Some of the most powerful testimonies I know are these stories of faith. Holding on to God when we don't know where he is, when we don't understand. He is still worthy of our trust and our praise. The psalm lands in a beautiful truth that we can hold on to in faith. God is always good, always. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness continues to all generations. Did you hear it, church? That shout for praise started to all the nations and it finishes with all the generations. Isn't that what God has called us to? Isn't that his mission for us being here? To share this message of good news with the nations and the generations. That is the heart of our church. That all would come to know and love him. When we worship like this, it is a taste of heaven. The Apostle John had a vision of it that he tried to describe. A vast crowd, too great to count, standing in heaven from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before Jesus and they are shouting, roaring in praise and worship. This is God's heart for His people. It's God's heart for His church to be a people filled with joy, knowing who He is. You know, there's so many perceptions of the church out there in the world that say we're judgmental and religious and boring. And I wonder if the challenge for us today is to turn those perceptions upside down. in faith to ask God to make us known as a people who are full of joy, full of love, ready to share this message of hope with the nations and the generations. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a well-known evangelist in the last century said that a dislike of enthusiasm may be one of the greatest hindrances to revival. 
Well, church, may that not be our experience. May revival come to this place, to this community, to this city, because we are a people who are full of joy for our great God. One of our greatest joys in this place is to hear how God changes hearts and lives. And tonight is, it is our privilege to hear from Hannah. And I'd love to invite her to come up now to share her story. Hear again the message of good news that Jesus brings hope and life. He meets us where we're at. He's done that for Hannah and He wants to do that for you tonight as well. Please welcome Hannah as she comes to share her story. I chose to become a Christian at the age of four or five. I prayed to invite Jesus into my heart over and over, naively wanting to make sure I'd done it properly, in part because I had siblings and I wanted to make sure I was forgiven for the things I'd done that week. And also because this was something that I felt in the core of my little heart, that there was this unfathomable and real God who loves us so much that He gave His own Son to bridge the divide between us and enable us to know Him personally. But faith is more than something that you grow up in or something that you inherit from your parents. And I've really had to grapple with it. Finding out how real God is and personally choosing faith myself and living it at times has been really tough. Being a Christian growing up, I discovered not everyone will respect your beliefs and they may even belittle you for it. I was also reluctant to tell people I was a Christian because I resented being labelled as religious. I didn't associate God with a restrictive religion with a host of rules and regulations that I had to meet. And I would sometimes cringe at being lumped together with other Christians. I didn't want to be different. And I'd seen Christians act in a way that was contrary to this love, this God of love and endless grace. But as a perfectionist, I've always been so keenly aware of my own imperfections and felt I've never been able to perfectly represent who God is or even who He is to me. This Christian label felt like an ill-fitting coat at times. It was stuffy and it was uncomfortable because people's perceptions of what it meant really didn't match my experience or do justice to this extravagant and generous God that I had hidden in my heart. So I learnt to keep my faith private. I hid it, I skirted around it, I edited it out of my life. And I kept my, guard, my heart guarded and closed because it felt like this special relationship with God sat at the very core of who I was and it would not be understood by others. I loved God, but over the years, I became a bit disillusioned with Christianity. I wasn't sure how to reconcile the two, which put a bit of distance between God and me. At the beginning of this year, I found myself holding on to something in my life that was beautiful, but required me to edit God out of my life, or so I felt, and it was pulling me away from Him. I felt that God was gently asking me to let go of it and to trust Him, and I told Him no. <laughs> I really didn't want to, and I wrestled with it for quite a while. 
But in the end, when I was truly honest with myself, it made my heart divided and I really didn't have any peace. So I painfully and reluctantly let it go. But I was angry and I was frustrated at God. And I questioned who this God was that I thought that I knew and how much He really cared personally about me and the things that I cared about and whether I could trust Him with my future. Around this time, a person close to me asked me what I believe and why. And in all honesty, I struggled to put words to it. In part because I'd been hurt by their carelessness before and others before them. So I guarded my heart. And in part because I drifted to this place where I didn't really know for myself anymore. I was heartbroken because I realized my faith in God felt broken and I'd lost my hope for the future. Believe it or not, from time to time as a child, I was sent to my room for time out. Well, this sort of is how I felt this year, like many, I'm sure, in COVID time out with not a lot of distractions. I felt confined to my house, working from home alone for months on end, unable to see many people or distract myself with a busy life. I found myself unable to really sit and be with anyone except God, face to face with my broken faith and my thoughts and anxieties about the future. Although I'd finally let go of the thing in my life I had held on to, I really hadn't surrendered it to God. I was anxious and I was restless and I still couldn't find my peace because I wasn't sure what the future held for me and I struggled to give up control of something ironically I couldn't control anyway. I didn't realize I had such trust issues until I was confronted with the need to really trust God with my future and the people close to my heart. And it took me quite a while to get here, but I discovered that as I learned to trust God and choose to keep my mind stayed on Him, I started to find an overwhelming peace. I hadn't read my Bible in such a long time. I'd brushed it to the side like I had my faith. I'd forgotten how personal God is. And as I dusted it off and started to read it, I felt like God had somehow written these beautiful words specifically for me. I know this sounds crazy, but this Word of God had such depth and it came alive to me. It was powerful and it was discerning my thoughts and speaking to the broken places of my heart in a really profound way. I started to rediscover, rediscover God's character and His nature. He's not some distant being that didn't care for me or was defined by the way that I or other Christians acted, but He was relational and He was gentle. He was generous in His kindness towards me, tender-hearted when I didn't deserve it and patient when I failed Him. And I don't know if you've ever lost something close to your heart before, but it really hurts. But it gave me a greater understanding of the value of something lost and the lengths that God goes to, to find the lost things, like the one lost lamb that Jesus talks about. And I saw the way that He passionately and wholeheartedly pursued me, the one lamb He loves when I was lost. And I rediscovered that God is like a vast ocean and yet in His largeness, nothing gets lost. Not a man and not a mouse slipped through the cracks and I could trust Him with all the details of my life. If I were asked again to explain my faith, I still feel I can't do it justice. It's something that you need to discover for yourself, but I suppose when you get to the essence of it, it gives me assurance that God loves me, that His character is unchanging 
and that even if the sequence of things in my life doesn't make sense, I can trust God with my future and He's more than able to keep all that I've placed in His hands safe and secure. In Psalm 139, it says, Lord, You know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul and You understand my every thought before it enters my mind. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins and You've gone into my future to prepare the way and in kindness You follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. And with Your hand of love upon my life, You impart a blessing to me. So I'm here today to be baptised, not at all because I've suddenly attained Christian perfection or I'm overly religious. I don't think Jesus was religious either. He said, if you're tired and burnt out on religion, that we should come to Him and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He doesn't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on us. So I'm here to bravely and sincerely declare my faith It's personal, but it's not a secret to be kept or edited out of your life. And God uses even hard things in our lives. He can handle our doubts and mistrust and somehow restores them into acres of hope. I don't believe that all hard things are good things, but I'm convinced that when you love God, every detail of your life is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into your life. And I've discovered that no matter what road you've been traveling, there is a God that loves you. He pursues you and He will answer you when you cry out to Him because He did for me. What a beautiful testimony of who Jesus is. Thank you, Hannah, so much for sharing your story with us. Please bow as we pray a blessing over Hannah right now. Lord Jesus, we thank You for the joy that there is in knowing You. We thank You for the way You've revealed Yourself to Hannah, knew her from the moment she was born, brought her to Yourself as a little girl and and carried her, have loved her and have revealed Yourself to her again. And Lord, I pray Your blessing over her. I pray for Your Holy Spirit to fill her, God. I pray that You would fill her with gifts of Your Spirit, that this faith, that this love that she's found in You would not be hidden, would not be secret, but it would be expressed in great joy, God, that others would see and know You in Hannah's life. And I pray, God, for a freedom of your Holy Spirit in her to share this good news, to know the hope and the promises that you have yet to fulfill in her life, God. You're a good God, you're faithful, and your love is unchanging and forever. We praise you and bless you in Jesus' Name, Amen. Thank you, Church, Hannah. Do you profess Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour? I do. It is on this profession of your faith and because you've requested it, that is our privilege to baptise you in the Name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit.
truths that we've been hearing about tonight and I don't want to finish this day without giving people an opportunity to say yes to receive this gift it's true what Hannah shared that it's not actually about religion it's about a relationship there is a God who created you who made you who longs to be in relationship with you longs to pour out his blessing upon your life to give you the peace and assurance of eternal life in him so whether you're here tonight in the auditorium you're in A2 you're watching online I want to just say that you can begin this journey yourself by simply praying a simple prayer, acknowledging that you're in need of a Saviour, that Jesus has come for you, that His death on the cross was so that you might have new life in Him. By simply calling out to Him tonight, just simply expressing that in your own words, saying, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I turn to you by praying that you can begin the most incredible journey of your whole life to know the reality of His very presence with you and for you, no matter what the circumstances of life. If you're here tonight in the auditorium, we're in A2, we'd love to give you one of these Bible gift packs. If you wanna know more, maybe you don't even know the fullness of it, but you sense the Spirit of God talking to you. You don't need to know it, I understand it all. You can simply respond tonight and say, yes, Lord, I wanna know more. I want you to reveal more of yourself to me. We'd love to give you one of these Bible gift packs to bless you. If you're online, click on that, respond to Jesus. Um, link there in, in whatever platform you're watching on. If you want a prayer request, click on the prayer button. We'd love to pray for you. But as we conclude this day, our 28th anniversary, I wanna proclaim, declare that blessing over each and every one, those watching online, those here as well. It's powerful, declaring these blessings. And so let me declare, let's bow in prayer as we conclude our time together. Lord, we thank You. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. 28 years of incredible blessing. And yet, Lord, we are only a tiny part of your everlasting kingdom, which endures from generation to generation, Lord, and will never end, great God. We have a taste here today of heaven, Lord, as we worship together. Never has to end, Lord. And so we thank you for this. And so now, Lord, I pray for your blessing to be poured out and each and every one, Lord, wherever they are on the journey of faith and life. And so I declare these words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. Hey, we're gonna sing one last song as we finish because we are joy-filled as we've heard tonight. So we're gonna sing that first song we sang, Grateful, or second song we sang, Grateful. Let's express our thanks to God. And then once we're finished singing that, we can head on out. If you brought your offerings tonight, you wanna put them at the door, you're welcome to do that. But let's worship, don't hold back. Let's celebrate together.